and welcome to the I Just Really Like Horror podcast. My name is Samantha and I will be your host as I talk about all things horror. For the first section of the podcast, as usual, we're going to be discussing some horror news. That's anything big and exciting that's happening in the horror world, or at least something that I think needs to be talked about. And this week, we actually have two stories that I feel are important to mention. The first one is some new information about the prequel to 2009's Orphan. You may have heard some rumblings that we were going to be getting a prequel to this movie. Well, we have a couple of new bits of information. One, we have a title, which is Orphan First Kill. And we also know that Isabel Furman, who played Esther in the original film, will be reprising her role. We also have a couple of other cast members, including Julia Stiles, who's been in a lot of stuff, but in the horror scene, probably is best known as the mom in the remake of The Omen. And as for the story, what we have is as follows. In the film, Lena Klammer orchestrates a brilliant escape from an Estonian psychiatric facility and travels to America by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family, but Lena's new life as Esther comes with an unexpected wrinkle and pits her against a mother who will protect her family at all costs. I mean, it sounds intriguing, and as we've learned from films like It 2017 and Halloween 2018, new additions to old stories can be okay, but I just feel like we didn't need a new anything for Orphan. Orphan itself was a fine film. It wasn't the best film ever, it wasn't the worst film ever, but it was fine. I just don't see why we need a new part to the story, especially now, 11 years later. Although I will give a shout out because Isabel Furman, who was originally 12 when Orphan came out, is now 23. And the filmmakers have said that in order to make her look young again, they're using both a world-class makeup team and using forced perspective. So that makes me a little bit happy because they're trying to do it practically rather than digitally like they did in It Chapter 2. Because all things being equal, I would much, much rather have practical effects than digital. Again, I don't feel this film is necessary, but props to them for trying to do something cool with it. And the other bit of news I wanted to talk about is yet another new addition to an old story, and that has to do with the Children of the Corn reboot. And if you're surprised to hear Children of the Corn reboot, you're going to be even more surprised when I tell you it's already out. Yep, at the end of October, the Children of the Corn reboot screened in two theaters in Florida. On paper, it still basically sounds like the same movie, but producer Lucas Foster says it has, quote, nothing to do with the original film and that they went back to the original story and free associated from there. So it sounds kind of like what they did with It 2017, where they went to the base story that Stephen King wrote and then created their own story from there. I'm gonna sound like a bit of a broken record, but again, I don't feel this is necessary. There's a million sequels to Children of the Corn already, not to mention they tried to make a new one in 2009. It is rated R, so that's kind of promising, but I am really looking forward to the day where Hollywood feels they can make original properties again. Alright, now that you've heard me complain about two movies I haven't seen, time to hear me complain about a movie I have seen and tell you my review of The Craft Legacy. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Okay. All right, let's do this. I know it feels fast, but it's nice, isn't it? 
to have a family unit? Come on in to meet the boys. They're really excited to meet you. How are you feeling about school? You can meet some new friends. I know why the cage bird sings. Oh, wow, man. that is super nasty. Oh. All right, enough. Settle down. Hey, it happens to everyone. He's made us all cry at one point or another. You should come over after school. What is all this? This is a ceremony to celebrate you. Why would you celebrate me? Because you're out fourth. Just in time for first period. This is all just a little crazy. Half the battle of having powers is believing you do. That's why covens have always been important. If we can do that, what else can we do? We need to put a spell on Timmy. We don't want to hurt him though, right? She's right. The number one rule of the craft, if a person is a danger to herself or others, they will be bound. I was starting to get a little worried. Sorry, I was just hanging out with my friends. We've gone too far. Was this just like some game to you? I feel different. Be careful. A lot of weirdos out here. We are the weirdos, mister. going to start with a non-spoiler section in case you haven't seen it but still want to know my thoughts and then I will let you know once I get into spoiler territory. So in case you saw the trailer for The Craft Legacy and wondered what exactly is its relation to the original craft? Is it a remake? Is it a reboot? Is it a sequel? It is a sequel. Very very loosely but it is a sequel. Did I like it? Eh. It's okay. I will say it is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I came into this movie with very low expectations, so it wasn't hard for this movie to exceed them, but I still feel that it ultimately failed at a lot of the things that it was trying to do. For example, I wouldn't really call it a craft movie. Like, as I said, the ties to the original craft movie are very loose. And the trailer is super misleading. The trailer made me think that this was going to be a beat-for-beat beat retelling of the craft rather than its own story, but it's not. A lot is either changed or completely missing from the trailer. Like, in the trailer, there is a scene where a character is looking at a photograph of Nancy from the original craft. I guess that scene is there purely to confirm that, yes, this is related to that other movie, and if you were a fan of that, you should watch it. But yeah, that scene is nowhere in the movie. I guess it's technically a minor spoiler that Feruza Balk is involved in the making of this film, but her involvement is not that important. If you liked the original, it's hard to say whether or not you'll like this one. It's a very different tone. I would liken it more to an episode of Charmed rather than a sequel to The Craft. It's lighter. It's got more positive energy. If you like witchcraft movies or if you like movies about high school, you'll probably like this. And there are some things that it does really well, but I feel 
like it would have done better to be its own thing rather than trying to make itself into a craft movie. And I think that's all I've got for the non-spoiler part, and even that was walking a thin line. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers, feel free to duck out now and come back after you've watched it. Otherwise, I'm about to start spoiling in three, two, one. So this movie was trying really, really hard to hit some of the same beats as the original, but doing it in their own way. For example, both films open with the three established coven members all sitting around their altar trying to do magic, but they're missing their fourth, and the camera is on the fourth side looking at all three of them. The tones are very different. With the original, it was more mysterious and more magical. This one felt like three high school girls at a sleepover trying to do magic, but failing to do so. And then we move on and meet the new girl who is just moving into town. In the old film, this was Sarah. In the new film, this is Lily. Lily and her mother Helen are moving in with Helen's paramour, Adam, and then his three sons, Jacob, Isaiah, and Abe. Which, all of those names, my god, those were deliberate. So the name Adam, of course, referring to the first man, and this movie's Adam is a motivational speaker of sorts who focuses a lot on the masculine. His book is even called The Hallowed Masculine. And then all three of his sons also have biblical names, Isaiah being the prophet that prophesies the coming of Jesus Christ, Jacob, the second-born son who stole his brother's birthright, and Abraham, the guy who was perfectly willing to sacrifice his own son, no questions asked. And then Lily's name also has some meaning, as we later find out, her full name is actually Lilith. And Lilith, in some traditions, was Adam's first wife before Eve. In those traditions, Lilith was made at the same time as Adam and in the same way, but Adam still expected her to be subservient to him, and she demanded to be treated as his equal. That's definitely highlighted here, especially in the final confrontation between Adam and Lily, where he outright says, we are meant to be your kings and rulers, and she's lying on the ground trying to get away from him. So they move in, and the next day Lily goes to her new school. And there she gets to experience one of the worst nightmares of many a high school girl, she has her period, and it actually bleeds all the way through her pants and drips onto the floor. So yeah, sorry, we're talking about periods here for a second. And to add further insult to this, it is pointed out to her by a classmate named Timmy, who is a complete douchebag at this point. So she leaves the class, she goes to the bathroom, she's super humiliated. Though I do question a little bit how she didn't know that she was bleeding through her pants. Without getting too nitty-gritty, of course, I feel fairly confident in that she would be fully aware of that and it wouldn't have been a surprise to her. But regardless, she makes it to the bathroom and is obviously very upset. And then the three other girls, the Lords, Tabby, and Frankie, come in to comfort her. And this scene is my absolute favorite scene in the movie. These girls don't even know Lily yet, and yet they are there to comfort her and offer her their support and assistance. Honestly, this is one of the things that this movie does really well, even more so than the original, is the friendship between the four girls. With the original, I didn't really buy it that much. 
With the original, it just feels like they're faking it. Even at like the slumber party scene, it just feels like they're there not for their friendship, but for their want of something. Their want of power, their want of magic, whatever that may be. But in this version, I really believe these girls were friends. So making this the scene where they actually properly meet, that was a very smart choice. It's kind of like the opposite of the opening scene from the various Carrie movies, where poor Carrie White has her first period in the locker room and all the other girls start bullying her. We need a lot more scenes like this. And that friendship just keeps flowing through the next few scenes. The telepathic communication while Lily's in detention, the stopping time spell sequence, and especially in the scene where they cast the spell on Timmy while they're in his room. Plus, if you know me, you know I love the use of modern technology and concepts in films. So the fact that they used a bong as a cauldron for their spell made me so happy. So then um, they actually have a very interesting scene in the school where they're in like a sex ed class and the video they're watching talks about consent. Obviously, consent is very important in relationships and sex. But in case you weren't a witchy teenager, let me tell you a few things about magic as well. One of the biggest no-nos in IRL, magic, wicca, that kind of thing is don't do love spells. Love spells violate consent. Love magic is forcing somebody to feel a certain way about you, forcing somebody to be with you, and that is not okay. So don't do it. And for the love of God, do not masturbate into somebody else's clothing. Oh my God. Yeah, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but oh my God, that scene made me cringe so hard. Anyway, uh, rewinding a little bit, I did like that they went the path with making Timmy bisexual as well. Overall, I I think this film did a really good job with exploring gender, sexuality, that sort of thing. And yes, I can hear a few of you rolling your eyes already and that's fine. But I think that it's really cool that they had a transgender character. I think it's really cool that they had a bisexual character. Even if that bisexual character is killed shortly thereafter, but you know. I'll be okay. It's something that I don't see explicitly explored in a lot of media and particularly in the horror genre. But then, yes, it is revealed that Adam, shockingly enough, is our villain. Who would have seen that coming? And it's also revealed that Lily is the daughter of Feruza Balk's character from the original craft, Nancy. And yes, this is the loosely connected I was mentioning at the beginning of the episode. Honestly, when the, they were first bringing this up, I wondered if Adam was somehow Lily's actual father. Because the dialogue that Adam has with Lily implied to me that he went and visited Nancy in her insane asylum and convinced her to give up her powers. But at the end of the original craft, Nancy's powers were already stripped from her, so she wouldn't have had powers to give him. Honestly, no matter which theory you subscribe to with how Nancy had Lily, it's not very pleasant. Honestly, I think the most logical answer to how Nancy conceived Lily is that somebody at the insane asylum raped her. At first, I thought it would be Chris from the original movie, but all the sources I see online say they didn't actually have sex. But either way, it's not very pleasant. And this is where I'm going to call them out a little bit for making this a craft movie because the moment it was revealed that Lily was adopted, it was obvious who her mother was. Like if this had been a movie that just was titled Craft or 
the witching hour or something like that, we would have no conception about who her mother was or if she was adopted or anything like that. But because it was a craft movie and because it had that story beat in it, it made it obvious where the story was going. And I didn't like that. I really didn't. I felt like that part weakened the story a great deal. Really trying to make a craft movie rather than make a witchcraft movie really inhibited them from telling the best story that they could. Sure, if they had made a movie about witches in high school, there would have been comparisons to the craft, but that doesn't mean it has to be a craft movie in order to be successful. Alright, rant over, back to the actual movie. So after all the stuff that happened with Timmy, with him coming out to them, with Lily doing the love spell on him. He is killed. Um, it's made to look like a suicide, which really messes with our little coven because they think all the magic they were doing to him had an effect on his mental state that causes a rift between Lily and the rest of the coven to the point where Lords and Frankie and Tabby decide to voluntarily give up their own powers and bind Lily's, which... I will say that's about as much of a character arc as the other three girls get. Tabby, Frankie, and Lords all were kind of interesting characters, but none of them had a story arc. In the original, obviously, none of the characters' stories were as big as Sarah's, but Nancy, Bonnie, and Rochelle all had their own stories. You don't have that with this movie. You don't know anything about their families, about their backstory. You don't even get their last names. You do have all that with Lily, and I appreciate that because she's a really well-written, well-thought-out character, but I would have loved that for the other girls as well. Anyway, they bind themselves, they bind her, and that's when Adam decides he's going to make his move. He tries to trick Lily into voluntarily giving up her powers, which she doesn't because she sees through his act. And then they get into that final confrontation where they show off the significance of their names. Lily resists him as best she can without her powers, but then fortunately the rest of the coven has a change of heart and they unbind themselves. And I love that they announce their presence by freezing time. That was the first bit of magic that all four of them did knowingly and intentionally, so it's a sign of them being one unit again. Which it's a good thing they're one unit again because Adam is clearly very powerful. So it does make me roll my eyes a little bit how anticlimactic the real final confrontation was. Adam tosses them around for a bit with his magic, but in doing so, he puts them in the correct positions to call the corners. The four girls form a circle, they summon the corners with their respective elements, and they burn Adam. The whole time I was watching that sequence, I was like, why isn't he fighting back? He's just standing there. <laughs> like, clearly he's shown that he's powerful enough to break through their freezing time spell. You'd think he would also be powerful enough to break through their little circle of fire. But he's not, question mark? He just lets them surround him with fire and then burn him alive. It's like, if you watch anime, it's like the trope from any magical girl show like Sailor Moon, where the characters take 50 years to transform and their monsters or enemies or whatever let them finish the transformation. They don't try to interrupt or attack or anything. It just let it happen. And that's what this made me think of is, you're letting them do this? Why? Truly one of the greatest mysteries of our generation. But yeah, that's how that ends. 
And then we get a little bit of a wrap-up showing the girls are truly best friends again. And then Lily goes to meet her birth mother, Nancy. And that's for whose bulk's involvement is in this movie is a little cameo at the end where she meets her daughter. And yeah, that that's it. That is the craft legacy. So yeah, to summarize... The first half was stronger than the second half. I believed the friendship between the girls more. I liked Lily more than Sarah. The characters in this movie besides Lily were very flat. And this did not need to be a craft-related movie. It would have been much, much better had it just been its own teenage witchcraft movie. As for a rating, I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 10. It's not the worst I've ever seen, but I don't feel the need to revisit it. And now for something a little bit more fun, this week's audience question. So each of the girls from both films associated themselves with one of the elements. In this movie, Frankie was air, Tabby was fire, Lily was water, and Lords was earth. So I turned around and asked you all, which of the four elements do you associate the most with? Earth, air, fire, or water? For a personal answer, uh, probably fire. I really, really hate the cold. I don't particularly like swimming or being anywhere near water, so it would make sense that I'm the opposite element of fire. As for what you all said, on Instagram, That Haunted Show said, literally all of them, I feel like it varies on my mood. That is fair. Sometimes I feel a little bit more airy than fiery, but yeah, I can see that. And also on Instagram, Anime Roman 8 says, As far as astrology, it's water, but I can add fire because I'm fiery when I need to be. Last Earth because I'm grounded and aware of my surroundings. All of y'all are avatars out there today. And then on the Slasher app, Chrome Skull says, Fire on account of my Italian temper. Fair enough. Fair enough. And that's it for this week's episode. Be sure to tune in to next week's episode when I talk about one of my favorite modern classics, The Ring. The I Just Really Like Horror podcast can now be found on all podcasting platforms, including Apple and Spotify. You can also find me on the social medias, on Slasher and Instagram at I Just Really Like Horror, and Twitter at I Just Like Horror. I am Samantha, this has been the I Just Really Like Horror podcast, and have a spooky day. Mm -hmm.